0: atmosphere church podcast on behalf of all of us here at atmosphere thank you for downloading or streaming this service we pray that it will touch your heart and change your life in addition to bringing you today's service we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can if you need prayer or just someone to talk with please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church someone from our team will be sure to connect with you we have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message.
1: Debbie Motley crew, Max Headroom, Scooby Doo, John Bon Jovi, Teddy Ruxpin, Reagan sheds a tear. Night rider, Silver Spoons, Ninety Nine Red Balloons, Dirty Dips, and Dukes a Hazard, Mr. Belvedere. Is Robocop, where's the beef? Pudding pops, Thundercats. who's the boss? Axel Rosen, Gorbachev, Torn Jeans, MTV, Mr. Furley, Mr. T, Coffee Show, all awesome fame. Cory Fountain, Cory Ham. We didn't the 80s, David Burr. Mindy, Blair and Tootie, new kids on the block Boy, George, Bill and Ted Ferris Bueller, sick in bed He-Man, Care Bear, Smurf, and Fraggle Rock New Coke, G.I. Joe Nancy Reagan's just say no Ayatollah tried to kill us What you talking about, Willis? We didn't start the 80s Gary Hart's romancing And we love break dancing We didn't start the 80s We had bird and magic and Lopper, Soviet Union in a frenzy Punky, Brewster, Spuds, McKenzie A-Team, Pop Gun, Selman, Rusty On the run, Pop Rock, Brad, Pack Michael Jackson Love Shack, hungry eyes, golden girls and family ties. Ollie North took the stand, contra scandal in Iran. Love boat, growing pains. Ricky showed us choo-choo train. Swatch, watch, light bright, Oprah had an appetite, foot loose, flash dance, crimping hair, puffy pants, skinny ties, jelly shoes, Huey Lewis in the news, Rainbow Ripe, Faith No More, Huey, Herman, Rocky Four, Alvin Simon, Theodore. I can't take it anymore. It's not the 80s, we Got a mixer.
2: How many 80s kids do we have in the house? Okay. Everybody else, you were like, what was that? That was the best decade ever. At least, at least for me. And the '80s represent that time for me. My name is Pastor Jim, by the way. I'm the lead pastor here of Atmosphere Church, and we welcome you to our 11 a.m. gathering. What's up, you guys? You guys are the most you guys are the most energetic gathering because you slept in or you drink a lot of espresso, like my son. Um, my son was uh, the one that did announcements. stuff. So anyway, uh, we we're kind of looking at the '80s from the lens of a, a time that was much. More simple. So maybe the 80s weren't the time for you where things were much more simple. Maybe the maybe the 80s were a very difficult time for you, but maybe you're more like my dad. My dad is nostalgic for the 1950s. Matter of fact, the first thing he did in his retirement was buy a 1957 mint condition four-door Bel-Air. Like Chevy Bel Air. I mean turquoise. And the reason he said it, he goes, he says, this was my first car. And so it was really nostalgic for him in his retirement because he just looked at the 50s as a time in his life where things were much more simple. So you guys have to bear with me. I'm an 80s kid. And so we're going back to the 80s and we're going to learn how to live life more simple. Like, that's the whole premise of this series. So maybe it's not the 80s for you. Maybe it's the 2000s for you millennials. Maybe uh, for you Gen Zs, maybe you know, it, it's Hannah Montana and all of those uh, Disney Channel shows. But the point is, the difficulties that, that happen in our life, and they happen for everybody can really mess with us. I mean, thinking about even like the 80s, as I'd like to go back into the 80s, the reality is that was over 30 years ago. And life is a lot more difficult these days with all kinds of different issues that weren't alive with 11-year-old Jim Cruz. All right? So I saw this, uh, the Molina sent me this, and and I, I was really bearing witness with this. If you had bangs like this, it's time for a colonoscopy. It's true. And and the whole the whole reason I bring this up is life is overly complicated and we are letting that bleed into our faith. And we're making our faith in God so much more complicated than it really needs to be. Because what Jesus showed us when he came and lived on this planet wasn't just our way to God. It wasn't just about salvation. It was about our relationship with God and how we were to live with heaven on earth in a relationship that only he could bring us. So if you have your Bibles today, we're talking about the simplicity of obedience and we're going to be in Luke chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter five. We'll put the, um, the verses on the screen for you. But let me pray this. Father, I thank you so much for how you are doing such incredible things with our new church family. God, lives are being changed. People are being healed. Families are being restored. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. We believe an awakening has began, and Lord, we're so grateful to be a part of it, and we pray that you would just continue to do that work here, now, in this message, through this service, so when we all leave this place in a little while, we'll know we had a divine encounter with you, and we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Luke chapter five, this is what it says. It says, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners and the other boat to, uh, for them to come over and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. Verse 11 When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Think about this they were tired. They had been fishing all night. They were professional fishermen. So it wasn't that they didn't know the right bait to use, right? Some of you that have been out there to go fishing and and you don't catch any fish, like you're not a professional fisherman. These guys were. They hadn't caught all night. And here this rabbi teacher guy that they were following says, hey, trust me, throw your nets over here and go for it. And even though in their mind they were tired, it wasn't going to work. Because Jesus told them to do it, they did it. And because they did it, they received a blessing. I'm telling you, there are blessings that God is waiting to pour into your life, but they're only gonna be poured into you to the degree that you're willing to listen and follow the words of Jesus in your life. I think as you look at your faith, And as you look at how maybe you've overcomplicated your faith, then we need to scale it back and just look at what is it that needs to be added to your life and your relationship with God to really allow you to start experiencing God. And you can think all you want about all these different things that need to happen, but I'm telling you, it's as simple as God telling you to do something and you making up your mind that you're going to listen to him and you're going to do what he's told you to do. And my friend, that is when God is going to show up and you are going to start experiencing him in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your job. Every area of your life is going to be impacted the moment you decide to start being obedient To living out the way he has called you to live now i I think if you were to summarize the idea of obedience it's found actually in the gospel of john chapter two the first miracle that we read in scripture that is recorded that jesus does he does it at a wedding feast he does it at a wedding reception they ran out of wine so crazy for all these people that get legalistic the first miracle of jesus is making alcohol it's weird that's a whole different sermon But I say that to tell you that it all came from these men at the wedding feast deciding that they were going to listen to Jesus. And it was all because Jesus's mother, Mary, tells him this in verse five of John chapter two. It says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. If you want to see miracles poured out on your life, I'm going to tell you the same thing that Mary told the servants at the wedding reception. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Turn to three people around you and say, just do it. Just do it. Now, I know you guys are thinking Nikes. But before it became a Nike slogan, Mary or Jesus's mother, Mary, said it. Whatever he says, do it. Let me tell you what separates the real from the fake. Remember last week we talked about this. What separates the real from the fake is how we are willing to follow God with our lives. You've heard of cultural Christians. Cultural Christians are people that just show up to church and they kind of punch in their time and then they leave. And they don't really think too much about God until maybe next week at church or maybe until the next crisis pops up in their life. But you are never going to experience God if you are a cultural Christian. What we are wanting to, to really introduce you to is lifestyle Christianity, where Jesus is a part of not just Sundays, but he's a part of every day that you are on this planet, at every hour that you're on this planet. And the reason we're not experiencing God changing our lives is we're really not doing the things that he is asking us to do. If you think about it, this is why I don't like the term Christian very much. That's why I like the term follower of Jesus. You've probably heard me say this before. But see, the idea of being a follower of Jesus is that you're listening to your leader. You're having to go where he goes and do what he does. That's what a follower does. I don't know how you feel about Justin Bieber. I don't know how you feel about Kanye West. But you must recognize that God is at work within pop culture and he is doing an awakening with our celebrities. He is doing an awakening, and it's beautiful. We need to embrace it as people of God, because I'm telling you, the awakening hitting them is going to be hitting all kinds of people. I I don't know if you've watched these videos uh, that's going on with these um, Sunday services that Kanye's doing, but thousands of people are surrendering their lives to Jesus. Justin Bieber just released a a new uh, album this last week, and he did an interview with um, it was a, uh, an Apple Music guy, and I read it, and I thought, wow, this is so good, because I would say that Justin and Kanye probably had similar upbringings where they were introduced to the concept of God, and they were probably even introduced to the concept of believing in Jesus, but they really didn't develop it much from that point. And this is the interview from uh, Apple Music, Zane Lowe, uh, the 24, 25 year old singer, Justin Bieber, talked candidly about how he had journeyed from simply believing that God was real to becoming a devout and committed follower of Jesus. Justin explained, I had really bad examples of Christians in my life who would say one thing and do another. So they were my direct examples of who Jesus was. I didn't take it as seriously because I didn't have good examples. I was just living in the shame, living in all this sort of stuff in my past, and I wasn't able to move on. Bieber said that without an alive relationship with God, he was in his own words, quote, 100% on a path of self-destruction, end quote. It was bad. I don't know if I'd be alive for sure. It was dark, really dark, he said. Then something shifted. I never really got it. When it says, follow Jesus... It's actually about turning away from sin, he explained. What it talks about in the Bible, there's no faith without obedience. I had this faith where I believed Jesus died on the cross for me, but I never really implemented it into my life. There's no faith without obedience. I think this is so good for us to let simmer inside of us because there are that God is calling us to do with our lives. And unless you're stepping into those things and doing those things that you feel compelled that God is calling you to do, you're probably going to fall short of experiencing God. And when you don't experience God, temptation becomes a lot more tempting. You know what I'm saying? When you start experiencing God, temptation becomes a lot less tempting because you can see God moving mightily for your life but this is this is what it tells me learning deep truths of scripture is great but it only is helpful for you to the degree that you're willing to live it out and to practice it so you can learn all kinds of deep spiritual truths but I believe what Mark Batterson an author that I read a lot he said this he says we are already educated way beyond the level of our obedience You don't need to learn more verses and memorize more scriptures as much as you need to take the verses that you've already read and start living them out in your lives. That's how you see God change your life. Going deeper isn't necessarily about learning more knowledge, but rather applying more obedience to our faith. Now, what the Bible tells us is that living obedient to God is not difficult. It's not difficult. It's a choice. And we're making it so difficult that a lot of times we choose disobedience because we think obedience is so overwhelming. And it's really not. In Deuteronomy, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, like when God starts downloading to Moses this, this regulatory way of living life. He's saying, if you, if you really want to live the life I've meant for you to live and I put you on this earth to experience, then listen to what I'm going to instruct you and how to live your life. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11. It says, this command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you and is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey It it is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, regulations by walking in his ways. And if you do this, You will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will do what, church? He'll bless you. We're going to come back to that in a minute, and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away, and you refuse to listen, and you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and death. And curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham. Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this is a promise for Israel, but I believe it is also a promise for us that if we choose to live under the covering of God, to listen to his, what does it say, commands, decrees, and regula- and regulations, and walking in his way, this blessing that is promised to Israel is also going to be given to us. It's not too difficult. You choose life. Well, where do we get our instructions? Two sources. You might want to write these down. We, we get our instructions on how to walk with God first in the written word of God, the Bible. The Bible is our manuscript. It, it, is, it is our instruction manual. We're supposed to learn the ways that God wants us to live, and it's all in there. Everything's in there. So if you read the Bible, God's way of you living as a human being is there. You need to not just read it. You need to apply it and align your life up with it. But the second one, and this isn't preached at every church. Matter of fact, some churches even shy away from this subject altogether, and it's not just the written word of God, but it's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. See, part of the reason Jesus resurrected from the dead was so that he could give us his Holy Spirit to live inside each of us that are believers in him. So as we have the Holy Spirit, not only do we have the written word to guide us, we have the Holy Spirit living in us to speak to us so that we have a direct download for us personally and how God wants to move in our personal lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our money. God has personal revelation for you through the gift of his Holy Spirit living in you. Does that make sense? Now, the revelation of the Spirit, look at this verse and just write this down. You can look at it later. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 talks about this. If we live by the Spirit, Paul writes, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if we're living with the Holy Spirit inside of us, then keeping in step with him means that there there are daily things that God is speaking to us about. Yes, there's the written word of God where, where he's guiding our lives, but there are daily things that God is personally talking to us about. This week, God has been personally talking to you about certain things about your life. Now, I don't know what those are, but you do. Because the Holy Spirit's been talking to you. You've had things confirmed as you're reading or, or maybe just a thought bubble that you had and then later on that day, something was text to you or, or you heard maybe something on the radio and it spoke directly to that. And that's all ways that God has given you personal revelation so that you could follow him, so that you can walk into the blessing of what he has for your life. I call these things nudges. I call them hunches. You call him whatever you want, but there are these little subtle ways God is trying to move you in a direction with your life. He's nudging you. And every day, I'm getting nudged. Every day, I'm getting these hunches of things that he's doing. And this is no different than how they lived in the Bible. In Acts chapter 10, it's a crazy story, I don't have time to go into it, but Acts chapter 10, Peter, remember, the church is brand new, he's living with the Holy Spirit, and he's praying, he's in prayer. And he starts going into this trance, and he starts seeing this picture of the sheet coming down from heaven. And he's like wondering, what am I seeing? Is this just like maybe secondhand smoke from my marijuana-smoking neighbor? I don't know. It's like, what is happening? And then then the same time, he's having this experience... Cornelius is, is getting a download from heaven and he's saying, go to Peter. He, he's going to tell you more about your faith and he's going to tell you more about me. And so Cornelius sends his guys over to, to Peter's house and Peter, Peter like wakes up and he's like, okay, I'm supposed to go with these guys. And he says he just went with them because he knew the spirit of God was moving him to go with these guys and he had no idea what God was doing. And then through this whole story, a whole family comes to Jesus and a whole family is transformed by God. All because of personal revelation that God was downloading to Peter and Cornelius. I'm telling you right now, there are things that God is whispering in your ear of ways that he wants to move your life, that if you follow that, if you listen to those nudges, And obey those hunches, I'm telling you, God has breakthrough and promise waiting for you and your entire family. I guarantee it. And this happens all the time in my life. But one of the the biggest moments that I've had more recently is involving the Murphy family. And and, uh, uh, Kaylee was telling me that she had twins and and, uh, one of the twins was having an eye issue. And and she said, "Can you pray?" I go, "Absolutely." I go, "I feel like it's the right eye." She goes, "Yeah." How'd you know? I go, "I just felt like the Holy Spirit said so pray over her right eye," and she was having an issue with her eye. And so I just laid hands on, on little Frankie and I prayed, and I said, "Jesus, I just pray healing over her eye." And we just had this beautiful moment of prayer. Two minutes—I don't know—it didn't last much longer than that. But I, I, I felt like God say, "Pray over her right eye," and so I did. And months go by, don't really. Follow up with it. And then Kaylee lets me know later on. She says, I just got back from the or the uh, uh, pediatrician. And they check Frankie's eye again just to kind of follow up to make sure, you know, the, the problem uh, and how we were treating it. And they checked the eye again, and the eye is completely healed. There's no problem with the eye whatsoever. I mean, they were going to give Frankie glasses and, and go through all of those possible surgeries. And God completely took care of that problem. Why? Because I got a nudge in the spirit to pray over that eye. What kind of miracles would we be experiencing if we really were obedient to the revelations of the Holy Spirit that he's given us in our lives. Honestly, I believe that if you follow through with this, there's two promises that we can see happen for our lives. Number one, you're gonna have a blessed life. Now, I've gotta unpack this a little bit because a blessed life can mean 30 different things to you guys, and so I wanna talk about this. Because for you, a blessed life might be you winning the lotto today. And just like, yeah. And and I'll pray for you to win the lotto if you promise to tie 10%. You got my my prayer. All right? i believe with you for a miracle. But that's not what I'm talking about. Because I know a lot of people with a lot of money that are completely unhappy with their lives. You know somebody They have the house and the cars and the bank account, but they're miserable. See, to be blessed, if you really want to look at this word in a new way, to be blessed means to be satisfied and to be content. This is where we get our English word happy. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of things, but they're not happy. Matter of fact, in in, uh, Matthew chapter five, Jesus is given the Sermon on the Mount, and he goes through this list of, of things that if we do, we'll be blessed, and that word literally is translated Happy in our English language. Check out what it says in Deuteronomy 28 with this definition of blessed in mind. Check this out. Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God. It's not complicated, remember? We just read that in chapter 30. It's not complicated. Being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Now, while God loves everybody and he shows favor to all of his kids, scripture's clear that there's an inherent blessing that comes from the direct result of our obedience. You might even say that obedience opens the door for God's supernatural intervention for your life. Obedience does that. So as you look at this, a lot of you, unfortunately, know this feeling too well of what you feel like when you do something wrong. You know, that shame that hits you, that guilt. Like, wow, man, why did I do this again? You're just kind of mad at yourself. We, we know that feeling, right? Or, or am I the only one? Like, we know that <laughs> too well. Here's the feeling we don't know is when we're actually obedient to do the thing that God wants us to do. That feels pretty special. I mean, how many have ever stepped out to do something that you felt the Spirit of God tell you to do and you did it? And you just almost felt like God reached down from heaven and gave you a high five. Have you ever felt that? Maybe feeding somebody, maybe praying for somebody, maybe, maybe just you know, texting somebody a verse that God put on your heart. I mean, that feels pretty special to know that, that God is reaching down from heaven saying good job that's my boy that's my girl i mean that is pretty awesome so that's the blessing here's the second thing and this is the less the less known blessing of being obedient and that is a stronger resistance a stronger resistance to the temptations i put it this way the more you say yes to god the easier it will be to say no to your temptations. The more you say yes to God, the easier it will be for you to say no to your temptations. Because what's going to happen is you're going to be so addicted to the high fives from heaven. And let me tell you that that feels better than any drug I've ever taken. And I've taken some. All right. But that's a different sermon. Okay, I'm a pastor with a past. Right. (laughs) Just being real with you. And I like to say it this way. There's no high like being high on the most high. That's how I like to say. All right? So, so I hope I didn't scare any of you right there. are like, why is this guy? Okay, that's in my past. But I, I have to tell you that the busier you get doing the will of God, being obedient to the nudges and the ways that God is telling you to move your life, the easier it will be for you to say no to your fleshly desires. Because those desires inside of you want to sabotage the life that God wants to give you. Do you know that? There are impulses and desires that are specifically in your system that their whole purpose is to sideline you and train wreck you from experiencing the life that God put you on this earth to have. That blessed life. And the more you are getting high five from heaven, the more you are doing business for God's kingdom, the easier it will be for you to shut down that side of you that is so easily tempted to do things that you know are going to be wrong and bad for your life. So here's the issue. If, if both these things are true, then why do we keep saying no to God? Why do we keep Ignoring the nudges? Why, why do we keep uh, walking away from the path that he wants us to follow? And see, I may be new to this church, but I'm not new to church. I've been leading in church for the last 30 years. And what I've grown to see is a pattern that pops up time and time again with people of why they refuse to be obedient to the things that God is calling them to do. And and I I, I wanna give you a top five. This isn't like an all-inclusive list, but as a pastor, walking in my own faith and then helping walk other people in their faith, I've developed, this is pretty much the top five of why people refuse to be obedient. Here's the first one, is love. It's love. Say what do you mean love? It's, it's the lack of love because, see, love is the motivator for obedience. You may not realize that, but you think about your own relationship with your family. If you're married, think about the relationship with your spouse. You do things you don't necessarily want to do that make you uncomfortable or maybe you're tired. You don't want to do it. Why? Because you love your spouse and you know that that would really help them. And so you do it. You love your family. So you're tired. You don't want to do it. You don't feel like doing it, but you do it anyway. Why? Out of your relationship. And see, what you need to understand is love should be the driving force in your faith to allow you to follow Jesus and do what he's asking you to do. John 14, verse 15, Jesus said it this way. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There won't be... uh, a, a real big thing for you to like, oh, I got to really, I got to check my box. I got to really make sure I'm obedient. No, Jesus is saying, if you are in a real authentic love relationship with me, then it's going to be easy for you to do what I tell you to do. It's It's that easy. This is why in the book of Revelation, Jesus tells the church at Ephesus something that maybe you've read before But you didn't really connect the dots. This is what he says. He's he's given the church of Ephesus a rebuke. They were doing all these beautiful things for the kingdom of God. And it says this in verses four and five of chapter two. It says, but I have this against you, Ephesus. You have left the love you had in the beginning. So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. See, this is my... (laughs) marriage counseling to couples that kind of feel like they've fallen out of love. As I say, re- remember when you were courting each other? Re- remember, you know, remember guys, you would like call all the time, you would open the door, you would, you, you would just initiate everything, and, and now you, you've stopped your pursuit because the ring is on the finger, you know? It's, it's like, if you want that loving feeling again, then you gotta go back to do what you did in the beginning to get that loving feeling back again. You, you, gotta, you gotta learn to pursue your wife again. I'm speaking of a marriage here this morning. The Holy Spirit's using me right now. You have to re-engage and start pursuing your wife again. And that love and that feeling of love, it's gonna return. I'm just telling you, I, that's not on my notes, that's just maybe for one couple that's here this morning, but, but I've, gotta, I've gotta tell you, it's your relationship that cultivates obedience. It's not religion. This is what separates Christianity from all other kinds of faiths that are out there is because Christianity is all about relationship. It's all about we're pursuing God because he first pursued us, and because he's in love with us, we are in love with him, and we will do whatever it takes to show our love for him. Even if it's doing something that maybe we don't want to do, it's uncomfortable, we're gonna do it if he asks us to do it. Why? Because we love him. So it's love. If you fall back in love with Jesus, it's not gonna be hard for you to do what Jesus is asking you to do, regardless of how uncomfortable it's gonna make you feel. It's love. Here's the second thing, it's fear. And we all do this. When we are asked to do something we've never done before, it makes us a little nervous, right? I don't know. Can you remember the first time somebody invited you on a roller coaster at Magic Mountain? You know, and you were like, uh, you know, and you knew it was gonna go upside down. I remember, I was, I think I was 11 years old, and I was at Magic Mountain, and they were like, we're gonna ride the revolution. I go, that thing goes upside down. And in my mind, you know, I know how gravity works. I'm like, I don't trust that. But I stood in line with all my buddies. Why? Because I wasn't gonna be chicken. And so I, I stood there with my buddies, and I was like, yeah, we're gonna ride this roller coaster. But inside I was going, oh, I'm scared. I didn't let them know about it, but I was. Why? Because I hadn't ridden that roller coaster before. And then once, once I did it, of course, I'm like, let's go again! But s- sometimes when you do something for the first time, it can be overwhelming and super scary to where you just push it away and say, I, I, I don't know. That's, that's making me feel too uncomfortable. So fear keeps people from being obedient. Here's the other one, doubt. <laughs> we question ourselves. Is this, I don't know, is this really God? Is this really what God wants? And I don't know. Is anybody here guilty of overthinking things in your life? <laughs> Has anyone ever had to kind of like slap you and say, come on, man, you're way overthinking this. But you can't. Let, let me tell you, the way God loves to, to move with us, his kids, is he never just throws something out there and just leaves it out there by itself? He knows that it's scary sometimes to do things that he's asking us to do. So he'll, he'll affirm us by confirming it. And he'll tell us over and over again, this is me, this is my will. I know when, when Tara and I started feeling a nudge to begin this new church in the Canejo Valley, we are like, oh, we, Lord, really? I don't know. And I was like, man, we're leaving this thriving, amazing church to start brand new? Like, I don't know, God, I think we have a bad connection. I think I need to... And so God would confirm it. I, I, I know Gideon in the Bible, he asked for like three different confirmations. I think even four if you count this other But Before confirmation, God never got onto Gideon one time. He said, I'm okay with this. You know, when we started feeling a nudge to start this church, I, I was like, I, I'm just really uh, <laughs> bummed I even have to confess this. I asked for like 12 different confirmations. I was like... <laughs> God, I, I don't know if this is you. I don't know. Uh, can you just send another message in some way? Because I don't know. And, but God's like, I get it. Truth is, is found with two or three witnesses. And if God is leading you on something, he's not, he's not gonna just leave one word there. He will confirm his direction that he's calling you to do. And just ask him. Say, God, I, I'm just not sure. I'm not subtle. Just give me uh, you know, two or three, or in my case, 12. You know, And, and, and he'll do it. But here's the other one: is logic. This is probably the the, the top four right here. It's just you know, some of you are so logical and, and you're so like analytical, and it's like it doesn't fit in my box. I I can't two plus two equals four. You know what? When God gets involved, He loves to mess with logic. All you have to do is read the Bible. The smarter people are, the more he likes to mess with them. He says, "You think this is the way everything's going to work out? Watch this." Matter of fact, I, I have learned, I have learned this: the less logical sense it makes, more than likely it's God. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, like you're going to start a brand new church from scratch. Like, that, God, why, that doesn't make any logical sense. Like, I'm at an age now, if, if I'm gonna do any new chapter, like, I'm gonna join a staff at a, a church, and, you know, I, I'm this seasoned guy now, I can, I can just jump in, in church and church like, mm-mm, no, you're gonna start all over again. Oh, God, really? But can I tell you, I'm so glad we did, because I got to meet y'all, and we got to be part of your family. So sometimes God does things that just don't make any sense. And so you got to throw all, all logic. And here's the fifth one, and, and I've got to start thinking about coming to a close. And this is submission issues. And this is a big one to some people. To others in this room, it's not as big of a deal. But here's what I know about us as people we don't like to be told what to do, <laughs> none of us do. We want to be our own boss. Just look at our culture right now. Work for yourself. You know, there, and I, there's nothing wrong with that. But the premise is we don't like being told what to do. I saw this lived out right away with my kids. My, my parents have always said this about me, but I remember Josiah. He was like pray three years old. He was just a toddler and we were in this parking lot, and we were walking to the store, and we had to go through the parking lot. Of course, it's busy with cars, and I told Josiah, I go, you have to hold daddy's hand in order to go to the, the store here in the parking lot. And He goes, I don't wanna hold your hand. I go, well, you're gonna hold my hand. And he looked at me, I'll never forget it, He looked at me and said, I'm gonna hold my own hand. <laughs> go, oh, really? <laughs> hold your own hand. Take that, Dad. (laughs) How many of us are living that way with our faith? I'm gonna hold my own hand, God. We we don't like to take orders from people. And submission is a big part of obedience. You you need people, let me tell you this, you need people in your life to submit to. Because it's good practice ground for submitting to God. Matter of fact, I will tell you that God sometimes puts people over our lives so that we can practice submission. Because here's the reality, if you can't submit to another human being that's over you, whether it's maybe a spouse, maybe it is a, um, a parent, maybe it's a boss, if you can't submit to somebody that you can see and talk with, how do you expect when everything comes down to it, you're gonna be able to submit to a God that's invisible? You're not going to do it. So God puts people in our life and he puts them over us so that we can practice our submission to these humans so that when it comes time to us submitting to God and doing what God wants us to do, we'll submit to it. This is why, as a pastor, I've learned to love people that have experience in the military, I love working with people that have experienced playing sports that have coaches. I love the experience of working with police officers and firefighters. Why? Because all of these things have a structure in place where they all have people over them. They have rank. And they've learned, even though they didn't feel like it, even though they didn't want it, they've learned that if I want to go further in my career, I must listen to this authority that has been placed over my life. Even though that I don't agree with it, even though I see it differently than they do, I'm going to do it because, hey, that's the way I get advanced in my career. The same is true for our faith. If you cannot submit to another human being, you are going to have a hard time submitting and doing what God wants you to do. You know, and some of you right now, I'm just going to tell you, you need to call somebody and apologize to them for, for being such a hard butt to work for. I mean, you just, I'm, I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna just do my own thing. I'm gonna, I, I, don't like, I don't like your way of doing it. You know what? Hey, suck it up, buttercup. You, you just, you need, you need to just learn to submit because God is training you in the season of your life so that you can be more obedient to him when opportunities come up for your life. So use those employers, use those parents, use your pastor as ways to help you level up when it comes to submission, all right? Don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything crazy, all right, um, but, but here, how, how do we like land this? Because we're, we're way over time. To not be obedient is to actually miss God's mark. And the Bible goes as far as to call it sin, James four, verse 17. So if you know an opportunity to do the right thing today, yet you refrain from doing it, you're guilty of sin. That's crazy. You know, we all think of sin as something we do horrible that that train wrecks our life. We don't think of sin like, wow, God told me to do something and and I'm refusing to do it. Wow, the Bible puts that in the same category as you doing something to train wreck your life. Isn't that interesting? So there are things God is calling you to do with your life that by refusing to do it, you're actually sinning. You're missing the mark of what God has for your life with that worship team come up. And, and as the band is coming up, and we just love to end our gatherings with, with some worship to, just to respond and reflect on the things that God is, is saying to us. But, but I do believe that there are two things that, that we want to circle up. What is it that God's been calling you to do? What is it? What is that thing that God has been calling you to do? And perhaps it's just to fully surrender your life to God. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to share your faith with a coworker. Maybe it's to join a serve team and, and start leveling up as far as like how, how you're serving and, and belonging to your church family. I don't know. But the second question is probably more important than that is what is stopping you from doing that which you know God is calling you to do? What is stopping you? So would you stand with me? We're just gonna, we're gonna end with this prayer. And, and as we are thinking about this, I, I, I wanna end with a story that happened to me over the last three weeks. A girl that has been in Tara life since she was a high schooler when I was a youth pastor. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer about two months ago. And she's been going through all kinds of treatments and I've been following her story on Facebook and, and looking you know, at what's going on. And I know that there's medical bills and she's been talking about it. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, send her $500. And I'm like, well, I don't have $500. I need $500. You need to send me $500. <laughs> but he kept saying it to me. Send her $500. And we bought this gift card, coincidentally, for $500 that, that we didn't use for this purpose. And it was just sitting there. And I told Terry, I go, hey, that gift card that we got, is it still there? And she said, yeah, we never used it. I go, I think it's, I think it's for so-and-so. And I think we're supposed to send it. And so I was compelled. I knew I was talking about obedience. And, and so uh, I jumped on Facebook this week and I said, hey, I just really feel led to send this to you. I feel God has called me to send this to you. And just know we love you. We're praying for you. And we're believing miracles for your health. And she got it and she responded back. And she says, I'm crying right now. You have no idea what this means. And she goes, she goes Pastor Jim, it's not, it's not just the money. The fact that I know you're thinking about us You're praying for us. That means the world to me. She goes, I can't stop crying right now. Let me tell you, that was sacrifice. I fought a little bit, but but I was compelled to do it, and there was breakthrough from it. There are miracles that are wanting to come through your life. There is breakthrough that is wanting to take place in your circumstances, but it's going to start with you saying, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I will do what you're calling me to do. Father, as we worship right now, God, I pray that you would let faith rise up because you are our way maker. You're our miracle worker. You're our promise keeper. And so, God, today we lift up these things that you've been nudging us to do, ways, lifestyle choices that you've been compelling us to to make. And I pray, God, that you would let obedience rise up in us, God, so that we can stop making it so difficult. It's a choice. And God, we wanna choose you. We wanna say yes to you. We wanna say yes to what you have for us. We wanna say yes to your promise. We wanna say yes to your blessing. We wanna say yes to your breakthrough. And all of that happens by saying yes to following you. So have your way with us, in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you, and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.